0: You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature.
1: This is Father Mark Bulos,
0: and this is Doctor Richard Benton,
1: and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. Father Paul, welcome.
0: Thank you. So today we're going to talk about the root aman or amana in Hosea 4:1. It says that Yahweh desires emet. The English Standard Version translates this as faithfulness, which makes sense because of what the book is doing and the main themes. But King James translates it as truth, and in modern Hebrew and in the later lives of the language, you know, emet really means truth. If you're talking to someone and you want to say, really, you say emet, in truth. And when I looked in the dictionary, there's so many different meanings of this word because this root has such a broad range of meaning. Father Paul, I would just love to hear what you've discovered and what this root means and kind of the richness and breadth of how it's used in the Bible. I mean, you said it yourself. It's an extremely multifaceted
2: root. For those who know the original language, and I'm going to go for Arabic because it's much more developed than Hebrew, it's not simple but understandable. Whereas for a non-Semite, it becomes puzzling to the extent of being perplexing because the ear would hear a jump from an area to another area that obviously are not related. So here I'm going to ask my hearers, besides patience, also effort to try to comprehend and they will have to trust me and this is one of the meanings of the root aman. (laughs) Trust me because I know the semitic language and the hearers will have to put an effort to do their research. Exegesis is not simplistic. I don't like the word hermeneutics. Hermeneutics means that you put your own rules beforehand. No, exegesis is just you have a text and you have to keep hearing it in comparison with other texts where the same root appears. Now, you mentioned yourself, Emmet. Although the topic is Aman, and I would like to explain it to the hearers, you do know the connection, but the hearers perceive a T instead of an N at the end. Now, as a general rule in Semitic languages, the N is so-called a weak consonant. That is why sometimes it disappears, sometimes it is geminated. it is doubled with another letter that takes over. Without entering into much detail, the hearers have to understand that all the words that we're going to use, whether they hear the N or don't hear it, we are still working on the same route. From the beginning, Aman has the connotation of trust and security and thus peace in conjunction with the trust. Again, one has to understand that when we say that I like the word multifaceted, in other words, the aspects are interconnected. This is what makes the richness of this word. The adjective ameen in Arabic means, on the one hand, someone who is faithful and thus trustworthy. But it means also, if you apply it to a place, secure, where one finds security and thus peace. Here again, I want to stress that there is no jump. It is part of the meaning slash connotation of this tri-literal. And let me begin with a famous text in chapter 7, where we have the encounter of Isaiah with Ahaz, At the end of verse 9, we hear, If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. That is the RSV. You have believed and established. The hearer in no way is going to realize that these two verbs in the original are the same, meaning the same root. That root is precisely aman. In Arabic, it would be in la tu'minu la ta'manu. It's the same root. And thus we see here how the trust and that's the word aman, in the promise or word of the Lord, will ensure security and thus peace, a place where one is in security at peace, but based on the trust in God. The conclusion is that in scripture, the assurance for that which is another meaning of aman in other words the promise is sure notice in english you would say trustworthy it's worthy of your trust so one has to remember there is always a play on that to come back to your example about emet indeed in verity in assuredness the assuredness is not that you the recipient can see that it is so. You have to trust, again, a man. I don't like the verb believe. You have to trust that it is so. In other words, it is the person who is making the statement who is trustworthy, and vice versa, you have to be trustworthy. Remember what Paul said, and the least one could expect from the ministers is that they are found trustworthy, and the word in Greek is pisti, from pistis, trust, which means that we have a circle in the matters in our relationship between God and us that at one point has to be not allowed to become a vicious circle. Let me jump into an example. A child with its parents, how is the trust built? I mean, it's very complex. It is built on the fact that this child notices from experience that on balance, these two people, the father and the mother, always speak the truth. In other words, there is always an indeedness in their statement. But then at the same time, the child discovers that this indeedness, assurance, security, truth on the part of the statements of the parents is linked to their interest in the child, in their love for the child, in their care for the child. We're not talking about a scientific debate in the lab, in chemistry or physics. So one has to be very careful when one gets to the aman, because it does not allow it. It's not that I am saying it is not so. The original meaning has to do with the relationship. And in scripture, you could hear from the story, which is repeated on purpose, meaning that at one point, after having heard and thus experienced a first story, a second story, where God is proven to be correct in his care, an interest for you then remember what i always say the third time you the hearer have to give in even if you are not convinced in other words even if the words sound untrustworthy to you you have to accept them otherwise you're going to be in trouble but then it's not a question of you figure things out intellectually, but on the basis of the experience. And here, I'm afraid when I say experience, immediately my hearers imagine that they went through the experience. No, we heard in the gospel, Jesus criticizing Thomas because he wanted to see for himself. And Jesus said, but your colleagues saw and told you, if your hearers always put a condition on you, then you when you go to speak with them, they are going to tell you, well, make us see. And we know from the Bible that after the 40 days, that's it. Jesus disappeared. He's not going to appear again and again for the people. The appearance of Jesus in the resurrection is functional, is to make you an apostle. Remember Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, have I not seen the Lord? Am I not an apostle? So the trust, In God is the trust in His words or in the words of the scriptural story. We do not need to go through our own experience. As it is always said in the story of the saints and the oral tradition, and we repeat, yes, I love the spiritual father because he went through that experience. I mean, this is vain talk. You're not trusting in God. You have to trust immediately from the beginning. And that's why in Scripture, the first story is the most compelling, that God did not give an explanation to Adam as to why he asked him not to eat from that tree, period. That's it. Adam was supposed to put his trust. The words of God are trustworthy, and thus they are true, to come back
0: to your word, Richard Emmett, functionally within that story. When the word is used in Hosea 4.1, Yahweh is talking about what's missing from among the people. The people aren't trustworthy in that sense. They're not faithful, from what I'm understanding. Is this how you would interpret Hosea 4.1 and the use of emet there?
2: It has to be understood. Notice that emet is in parallel with hesed. So very interestingly, these two words go back and forth between God and the human beings. He is the God of emet, truth, assuredness, indeedness. And he is also the God of hesed, the one who loves in an extreme way, that is the hesed, totally, completely. Let me begin with hesed. When you go to the Psalms, you hear that God has hesed and thus he is Hasid. But those who follow him have to be also Hasid, Hasidim. And this is where the word of the Hasidic comes from. Now, when you hear this in parallel with Emet, you realize that it's back and forth, meaning that the word of God is trustworthy. That's why you have to show when you have heard it and accepted it, that you are trustworthy meaning that you don't say a lip service yes again lip service is taken from isaiah let me jump to the greek to show you that you have the full polarism in greek god or his word is pistos you have it in revelation you have it in one timothy and so on but we the believers are referred to as pistos in the singular and pisti in the plural. So here again, and that's the interesting thing about the Septuagint, that whenever the language allows a parallelism, the Septuagint sticks with it. If not, then it has to find other words. But in this case, the word of God is said to you. You have to trust it And God has to see that you indeed trusted it. You have to show that you are trustworthy, that God can trust the fact that you trusted in his word. So let's be very careful here. It's not a question that you are on the level of equality with God. He has to show that he is trustworthy and you have to show that. No, he doesn't have to show you anything. He is the origin of this trust because his word is a word, I like the expression, of indeedness, of the it is so-ness, and in that you have security. Let's jump to examples. You know me, I like to go for examples. My classic example, you've heard it from me so many times, is that your mother tells you, watch out. Do not go out in the ice, you may fall and break your leg. And you say, no, 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 I won't. And then something happens. You break an arm or a leg. So from this experience, you learn that your mother was originally right. It's not that you tell her, oh, you are right, as though it is your statement that vindicates The statement of your mother. No, it was originally right. Because if you don't view it this way, you're not going to learn that the following time you have to accept her word without testing it. That's why testing the Lord can be very dangerous, according to 1 Corinthians 10. And one more time, it's going to sound a jump, but if you would like, we can revisit that. In that Lies your security. Let me put it otherwise. The word of the senior in Scripture, who is a parent, God is our parent, is not a statement of verity that is so. He's not telling you the leaf is green. God doesn't talk like this in Scripture. He's always and systematically interested in behavior. And this is why I'm against so-called theology, the verity of God in his essence. No, no, no. He's not interested in that. What he says is always towards your behavior. And you have worked on Hosea and you realize this is what it means. You said it in your paper that ultimately it is your behavior not your service to God within the realm of the temple and the rubrics. It is your behavior outside. In all that, in the original, the root has also the connotation, as I mentioned way at the beginning, of security and peace. In Arabic, the security council is called Majlis Al-Amn. The police in Arabic is called the forces of M, the car insurance agency, is shirkat at So it would be nice someday if we could just make a series of all these words so that the hearer would realize, and I would like to say it one more time, there is no jump as I hear it in classical theology. People imagine that whatever they say is so on the level of behavior and relationship between a senior and a junior, we have some kind of trial and error. That's why the third time is very important in Scripture. God speaks to you and does something once, twice, and then if you don't get it, you better get it on the third time. And you could see it in the story of Thomas. The person that is Amin means... Faithful or trustworthy, and a place that is amen, is a place of assuredness, security. Like assuredness and security are from the same root in Arabic, again. Not even that there are two facets, it's just, it is so. It's complex for a non-Semite hearer, but that's the price we have to pay, and you know me, I stress always the original you cannot begin with your study of your words in English. Let me finish the circle by going back to this text of Isaiah. Im lo ki lo amenu. It's two different verbal forms of the same aman. So the best translation. In Arabic, although it is not translated this way in la tuaminu la tamanu. If you do not put your trust in these words, you will not be at safety. So that would be a good place to begin with and end with Isaiah seven nine B. That's why he criticizes the king, God will implement his promise to save Jerusalem, but he criticizes the kingship and down the road he's going to destroy it because they didn't put their trust, which is at the end of chapter 39. So God does not react on your level. He is still the judge. He reminds you that you have to put your trust. If you don't, It doesn't mean that his word is not trustworthy. This is the trouble with the human beings. Like if I tell you something and you don't trust me, I punish you immediately. No, because then how would one know whether God is trustworthy or not? No. He does it, but then he will make you or the following generations pay the price and you see it already in the story of the Exodus and so on. And so this Aman really covers the entire scripture from A to Z. It is woven around that root aman, and that is why Paul refers to the believers as believers epistevondes. Those who put their trust in the word of God that is trustworthy.
1: You know, Father Paul, it's interesting for me as a student, having taken this teaching, specifically that the word often translated as believe or belief is actually trust. It's been very helpful to me personally in reading the New Testament in English or even trying to understand the Greek. And what I want to stress for our listeners is that This proposition, which is actually explained from the data of the Hebrew grammar and the usage of Hebrew terminology, as we've heard today, and this specific root, this proposition that you have to understand the word believe, pistis, as trust, and you have to see the emphasis on trust, really is essential for hearing the New Testament. I know in my own study of the Gospel of Mark, and you use the word immediately, This the imperative of immediately trusting without this leap, it's just submission. Without this understanding rooted in the discussion of this term aman. it's impossible to understand Mark. I just want to tease this out, Father Paul, because I think it's so important for people to open their minds to this understanding that, as you said at the beginning of today's discussion, goes against the way the american mind the western mind is formed
2: we can begin with the greek because it's closer to the western mind but the greek of the septuagint in other words you have to have the people hear what the text of the old testament and more specifically the new testament is saying and we I remember that we had this discussion at our symposium in Miami and Father Ron Porosmik challenged me to translate the word tin pistin to theu. Now if you take it literally it means the faith of God, which is ridiculous. So it has to be in this case faithfulness, but the original is pistis and more than that. I'm going to read it for my hearers, just to hear how the whole text is woven around that truth. Romans 3.1, just hear the Greek. And what is the advantage of the Jew over the Gentile? Many at any rate. Then he says, proton men oti epistephthisan talogia to theu. The statements of God were entrusted to them. Notice how we jump to entrust and if some did not believe me apistia afton their non belief tin pistin to and he say absolutely not because if their unfaithfulness their evil shows God's justifying it's very important because he has to be just to judge the whole word. So just the original, reading it three times to people who do not know Greek, their ear will capture that we have the same root but necessarily cannot be translated literally in the same way. But the trouble with the Western ear, it may conclude that so we don't need to translate literally. The problem is that it is literal in the original, but the word is multidirectional. Earlier I mentioned that God or his word are pistos and we are also pistos, but functionally it is not the same. And how many times I told you that this applied to so many words, but unfortunately, the modern people don't understand. For instance, the love of a parent for the child and the love of the child for the parent are not equal and do not have the same meaning. So I believe the bottom line is to challenge, as I tried to do with my latest book, which is the last book that I could write. I challenged the people by inviting them. Obviously, the reaction is in their hands, but there is an effort to be put. Like The Semitic languages are built on the nominal sentence. You speak without using the word to be in the present. So it is so. So if you so choose, you know, ruminate on this and we can always revisit.
0: Well, if I can play off of our route for the day, amen, amen, amen. Oh, there you go. There you go. You have it. (laughs) (laughs) You always, you always. It is trustworthy. I have
2: to take an aside. like, (laughs) And let the people say, you remember this text of Leviticus, let the leader say, and let the people say, amin, amin, amin.
1: And we have to work hard to make sure they know it doesn't mean... I agree. I vote for yeah. that. I agree. That—that That, that <laughs> is your mission, Father Mark. My mission is finished. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you both. I, thank I you enjoyed my discussions. Thank They're you for precious. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, okay. everybody.
0: The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.